0: Hello, mamas, and welcome back to Episode 2 in our Bringing Women Together podcast series. Today, we are talking all about creating the village. Enjoy! Hey, Mama, I'm sending you wonderful
1: pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio.
0: Hello mamas, and welcome back to episode two in our Bringing Women Together podcast series with the wonderful Rachel Rose. If you haven't already, go back and listen to episode one that is all about the power of bringing women together and women's circles and I think that's a really good lead into today's episode which is about the village because so much of our village is going to be made up of women, right? Our mothers, our sisters, our friends and so many of those women are going to be coming together to support you after birth. Hopefully, hopefully you listen to this episode and then you make sure that you take some proactive steps to creating that village. Because I think we so often talk about it. Some women don't know what it is, but it's really important that we actually then make sure we take the steps to put it into place because it's so important to not feel isolated, to not feel alone. And to have extra support, we're not meant to mother alone. We're not meant to have this tiny newborn and only two hands and be doing it all. And it really sets women up to fail if they are alone. So I really encourage you to listen to this episode, share it with any pregnant or postpartum mama friends, because we really all need to take a step towards asking for help, recognizing our worth and our importance, and then practically knowing what do we need help with? And, you know, what steps do we take to set up this village after birth? So I've got the wonderful Rachel Rose joining us on the podcast. She is at the underscore Rachel underscore Rose. If you want to connect with her, she is a mother. She is a mentor and a community maker. She facilitates women's circles, creates courses and hosts a podcast called Together. And her whole ethos is about supporting women through life, motherhood and business transitions. And she shares so beautifully in today's episodes about what she did for her postpartum transitions to really help make friends and create the village and create the community around her. And I think it's really good inspiration for you all to take away from it what you need to help support you after birth. So enjoy this episode. Now, I want to talk about the village. So much of what we've just spoken about is about the village and female friendships and creating that community. And you've obviously done that between your pregnancies. You mentioned you were isolated and alone. You've gone on to involve yourself in all of these like-minded circles. You found your interest. You've gone and put yourself there to create that village. But I think you have a really unique take on the village and re-villaging. And I guess the unique take I think you have is that it's not necessarily easy and that the village wasn't free of conflict. And it takes a little bit of work. So I'd love for you to speak about what you think revillaging is, and maybe just what the village concept is in general for those women who don't really understand what people mean when they mean the village, but also your take on the hard work or the conflict that could be involved in revillaging yourself. Could you speak to that? So I think if anyone doesn't theoretically
1: understand the village, they will understand it in their body. And that is that. When we become parents and we're holding these precious babies in our hands, it feels like our two hands are not enough. And that is because they're not. No mother, no father, no family unit was ever meant to be the sole writers for a unique little human being. We were meant to raise our babies in villages, in alloparenting communities. And I think it's said that in more traditional communities, of which there are still some existing throughout the world, it's a ratio of about one baby to 14 adults. Really? Um, that Throughout the day, that baby would be held by so many loving adults, from grandparents to aunties to uncles to other community members, and they would have connection with around like four, deep connection, but then also this loving connection with the rest of the adults in the community as well. And so they would be developing relationships and bonds. And that would also obviously mean that the mother was not holding her own child for 18 hours of the day and then sleeping next to that child and then breastfeeding through the night or feeding through the night. Now, we don't want to romanticize the village because the village was not this utopian world where the mother's ideas on how she wanted to parent would be 100% respected and everyone would bow down to her as the goddess and just give her massages every day and spoon feed her and rub her shoulders like anything you want I've got it I've got it it wouldn't have been like that it would have been a community of reciprocity in order to receive that sort of care and support you would have had to have already given that care and support to other mothers in your village when you were a maiden you would have had to have helped with cooking and cleaning and other community jobs in the village so it's not like you just go to the birth altar, have your baby, and then you get weighted on hands and foot. Although I would love that. Yeah. I feel like we deserve it. Sound good a little bit, doesn't it? But it would have be been give and take. And in more traditional communities that are still living this way, there is give and take. There is conflict. There, is, there needs to be healthy resolution to conflict. There needs to be communication skills. It's going to be arguments. It's just not a utopian fantasy, and I think we get stuck on the fantasy because of how deeply we crave it and how much we need it, and so we think, oh, life would just be sunshine and roses if we had this village, and it would be a hell of a lot better, but also there would still be many things that we would have to work through because we're all human beings and nobody is perfect. My concept of revillaging in a modern world is that you have your baby There ain't no set of people just going to turn up on your door and say, what can I do for you? It's going to be logical planning in the pregnancy or way before that, if you can, in the conception journey as well. If you're able to dedicate time to a conception journey, thinking about what structures, systems and support you're going to have when you have your baby. Two weeks paternity or partner leave is not a village a mother-in-law that lives two hours away is not a village. These things are useful and thank God we have them, but also we need so much more of that. When the concept of the first 40 days really came into the Western world's awareness, which is laying in for the first 40 days, really bonding with the baby, healing from birth, eating a particular type of set of foods and that kind of thing, the piece that We in the West have missed is that community care was a key pillar of that. No traditional cultures would say, stay home with your baby for 40 days and do everything yourself and make all of those foods for yourself and not do any housework for 40 days. Community care would have come in and they would have been performing the body work and bringing the meals and helping out around the house. But now we've put extra pressure on ourselves to do this, lay in and respect our bodies and heal from birth and have all these ideal foods, but we're trying to like scramble it together by ourselves. So if it feels overwhelming, it's because it is. It's not meant to be like that. So for me, my concept of re-villaging has been about building relationships with mothers of a similar stage as me, who are in the thick of it with me that's not because we're able to show up for each other and do lots of things for each other. We're not. We're stretched. But we provide the emotional support to each other and the understanding and recognition of each other's experiences that I think is a really vital part of emotional intelligence and just living life as a human. But obviously, we can't be like, I'm going to cook you 17 meals. I can't even put meals on for my own family, that kind of thing. So that's one part of my village and then it's do I have the means can I make the means to pay for certain things that are missing so when I was pregnant with my son and I ran my own business make a huge amount of money that year I think it was around I can't remember I know that I spent twenty thousand dollars on my private midwife on my pregnancy care and on my postpartum care And I think it was pretty much every cent of what I made in my business, I put towards my birth experience and postpartum. Now, I don't want to say that and be like, if you don't have $20,000, good luck to you. But I really did prioritize it above everything else. And so I had a doula from conception (laughs) to six months postpartum there was closing ceremonies mother blessings food so many things that we did together it was she was like my spiritual guide for over a year i had a private midwife i had a postpartum doula come in and give me bodywork and a massage every week for 8 weeks different foods acupuncture all of these kind of things not saying that you need to spend $20,000, but if there are gaps in where your actual community, if you can set aside any sort, any money, even just a little bit, then I encourage you to do that. I've never had a wedding. I'm not married. I've never spent a huge amount of money on a wedding. And for me, this felt one of the most important periods of my life. So if I could dedicate any cent that I was making towards it, I was. And I read the benefits from that. It was amazing. And like I said, some of the best months of my life. And then it's looking at, okay, who's in my family? What availability do they have? Are they retired? Are they working? Are they emotionally available? Is there anything in our relationship that is unsafe or dangerous? No, I don't want them in my postpartum even that's outside of conflict if there are unsafe people in your life they don't need to be in your village and then looking at different ways that people operate some people might be really emotionally available and others not so much but they love being practical you give them a job and they're so happy to help and so a lot of the work that I did with my first postpartum doula as well but in between and then leading up to it it's like Who have I got in my world and who can I call on and who can I ask for help? asking for help though is the first thing that women need to be able to get comfortable with. And it's the number one thing I see women struggle for. It's that sense of worthiness. It's that sense of, yeah, being centered and grounded to ask for help because it might look like we're weak or failing and Also the fear of rejection that someone might say no and for anyone listening people might say no and you might have family members that might not show up for you because it's not the right time in their life. I've got a beautiful niece who was born about six weeks ago and I haven't been able to show up for her mum in the way that I would have liked because I'm just deep in my own parenting right now and deep in my own business and I would love to be able to just be at her house and feed her and but it's not always going to be possible so there also might be some grief in relationships around people that might not be able to show up for you and so can we fill the gaps in whatever
0: ways that we can does that explain something yes there's so many ways I want to take that it absolutely does because I think it's so practical I feel like it almost encourages women to sit down and write a list of who is in your life that is potentially available and how are they available? Like you said, some are just no good at being emotionally there, but they love to cook a meal, drop something at your door, go do the groceries for you, whatever it is. And just having like really appropriate and realistic expectations for what the people in your life can offer and having those conversations before you give birth as well and being able to understand what they're willing to offer. And like you said, some might be really honest with you and say, I'm so sorry, but right now I am stretched and this is not the right time, but at least, and then you can go and fill those gaps elsewhere. And then I feel like it also encourages women to probably write a list of what do I actually need to feel nourished, to feel cared for, to feel supported. And I understand that might be hard if you're a first time pregnant woman, you've not had a baby before, so you're not sure what that postpartum period might look like. So I understand that, but I do think that's a good starting base to actually sit with what do I need and where can I find that? Do I need to pay for it? And when you were saying about the 20 grand, I don't think, I, I know that will put some women off, but what I get out of that is you're just saying, how can I be resourceful? How can I prioritize this? And it doesn't have to look like 20 grand. It can look like swaps. I gift you this, you give me that. It doesn't have to look like money, but it's just about being resourceful and prioritizing. So instead of spending my money here, I'm going to direct it here because I acknowledge that this is really important. And I also really liked how you touched on the worthiness, the asking for help, because if anyone's I was in my first two pregnancies, I rejected the village because mm. I was a quote unquote, I was a super mom. I did it all. I could handle it. I wasn't weak. I didn't need help. I can cook meals. I've just got a baby. Life's just normal. You just carry on with a baby on your hip. And it wasn't until I had my third baby that I was like, whoa. I have been running this story for a very long time. And I remember my mom would say to me, oh, Laura, you need to just accept help. And she was so willing to help me, but I was so in that mindset of if I get help, that means I'm weak and that means I'm not thriving. And I am, I'm succeeding. I'm good at this. I'm a good mom. I don't need any help. And then it just took a lot of stories, a lot of worthiness issues to go, "Ah, oh, actually, I can receive help and still be a really good mom, still be thriving, still be happy. In fact, more of all of those things Mm. if I accept help. So I do think the rejection of the village is a huge thing to acknowledge because I knew in my first two pregnancies, the concept of the village, the importance of the village, but I probably didn't acknowledge the subconscious rejection of actually having the village. So I think that's really important. And I was also going to mention that the village can look random because I was thinking about I would say my RoboVac is part of my village. Totally. uh, Yeah, my RoboVac has changed my mental load enormously. And what I did to get there was I made a list of all the things that bother me about the household. And, like, for example, this is probably gross to a lot of people, but I could go mould in my shower and, to be honest, it doesn't really bother me. I can, like, close my eyes under the shower and pretend it's not there. However, if I walk on my floors and I feel sand under my feet, or just like dust. And that would drive me absolutely bonkers. And so I went, ah, aha! Uh-huh. I don't necessarily need a cleaner once a fortnight, which is what I had. I actually just need someone to do my floors every day because mm. I can do the shower every now and again. Again, it doesn't really bother me that aspect, but the floors bother me. That's the thing that's eating away at my mind. So that's why I got a robo vac because I just went, ah, where's my mental load being eaten up right now? And what can I do about that? So again, coming back to writing that own unique list for you of what do you need, and then working out how you can be resourceful and how you can prepare and support yourself better. So I just thought I'd share that example because yeah, the cleaner say once a fortnight didn't really tick that for me. That wasn't really doing what I needed it to do. Whereas the Robovac, enormous game changer. So Rachel, for those women who are first-time mums who are listening to this and there's like, yeah, like I was, I understand the importance of the village. I'm trying not to reject it. I'm really worthy of help, but what do I need help with? Could you just maybe work through, obviously everyone's going to be unique and individual, but for those mums who don't know what postpartum is about to look like, haven't been exposed to it, what are the sorts of things for women to be thinking about in terms of support and care for afterbirth? So I think the number
1: one thing that women need to prepare for is resting. And this goes counter to what the cultural narrative says about bouncing back from birth and I think it also can affect first time mums more so than multiple mums of multiples because your body has done it once and you might feel really good and you might feel like you have a lot of energy and you've got one baby to care for which is an enormous job but you haven't had potentially years of buildup of sleep deprivation that mothers of multiple children have and so they might really feel in their bodies the need for rest a lot more whereas first-time moms might have their babies and just be so happy to have their babies and just want to go out and explore and be in the world but we do need to protect our pelvic health you are a pelvic health (laughs) guru and horizontal rest and rest without pressure on your pelvic floor, it's so important. We have an epidemic of older women experiencing prolapse and we can trace that back to how they were resting or not resting in their postpartum periods. And all sorts of health implications can happen from a lack of rest and a lack of honouring, that your body has just gone through the most monumental marathon task and whether or not you're breastfeeding, your hormones have still changed significantly in order to enable breastfeeding and there's so much going on in terms of your identity shift in the process of matrescence, which if you're a first-time mum and never heard that word, go look it up because it will change your world. You're basically going through your own adolescence but through motherhood.
0: Yes, I actually have a podcast series on this, so I encourage everyone to scroll back. I interviewed the wonderful Nikki McCann on Matrescence and she was amazing. So scroll on back. That was a much okay. well-received episode. It's way back when. I can't remember, but I might put it in the show notes. Yeah. she Nikki actually started Mama Tribe, funnily enough, so she has
1: a link uh-huh. to my story, which is really cool. lovely. We found that out when we reconnected. Rest, rest. And that can be challenging when you are at home alone with a baby. And so it might be thinking ahead in your week and having a roster of people who could pop in and come in and hold the baby while you have a shower or hold the baby while you have a nap. There is the trope sleep when the baby sleeps, but that's not always possible. It really depends on your baby's temperament. It depends on your own level of anxiety around being able to surrender to sleep in those early days and weeks. You may feel more comfortable having a loving adult who's there keeping an eye on your baby so that you can actually sink into sleep and rest. If sleep is not possible, then sitting down and closing your eyes and doing a yoga nidra. Yeah, just not trying to continue with life as if the your baby is a handbag that you can take along with you. And I only say that because that's what I tried to do as well in my first experience. And in my pregnancy with my first, I invested Lots of time and energy in choosing what drawers we were going to have in the baby's nursery, what cot we would have. The baby slept with us in our room for four and a half years. None of that mattered in the end. I had a baby shower with 80 people that was also combined with my partner's 30th birthday, so there was booze and it was big and it was like, we spent fifteen hundred two grand on this party that was about meant to be celebrating the baby and then me feeling not really seen in that and then just with perspective thinking, I could have spent that money on something else. So, you know, I just put a lot of my energy in the quote-unquote wrong places. But Maybe that's a rite of passage in and of itself because
0: everybody does it. Yeah, exactly. And you learn and you (laughs) do different next time. I was actually just thinking, Rachel, because a lot of women do actually ask me that. They'll say, look, I'm having a baby shower. All my friends and family are putting in money towards something. What should I get them to put money towards? Because I think they've got an awareness that they don't really need the baby rumpers or the fancy shoes or the impractical things, but they're still quite unsure. So if you had to pick one or two things to tell a friend, where should I put and funnel all these hundreds of dollars, what would you say?
1: I'd say body work. Because not only are you having beautiful hands on your body to to recognize the transformation that you've been through, no matter how you birth, your body is healing and deserves that touch. And you will have different aches and pains and discomforts in the postpartum period from recovering from the birth, but also like the positions that you suddenly get yourself in. You're carrying three, four kilos a day that you didn't used to have. So your arms might feel a bit tired. If you can have someone come into your home, or if there's somewhere near you where you can get a massage, I see it two pronged. It's not just that, it's also the rest. It forces you to figure out who's going to be able to hold your baby while that's happening as well, or if they can be next to you. It lets you just have an hour where your mind can relax and wander. And then I just think bodywork is so important. I think it's a vital pillar in the traditional postpartum care. And it's often seen as like a vanity need, whereas I really see it as like an essential part of being a human being is to mm-hmm. receive that loving touch when you are giving so much touch to somebody else. Yeah. When you're holding this little human all day, every day, feeding them however you're feeding them, just pouring your love into something
0: else, if you can receive just a little bit of that back. I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I love that so much. I actually just booked myself and I don't know if you say this right, but Abhyanga, it's like an Ayurvedic massage for Friday. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, body oil every Yes, apparently it's just the oiliest thing you could ever do. (laughs) I'm so excited. I love that. And I think... For me, I would say meals because I think for me that made the most enormous difference having meals, whether I mostly got them from a meal train, but I feel like there's so many postpartum meal delivery services and things like that women can utilize or put their money towards, which I think can make a huge difference. I remember one night a girlfriend said to me, she wasn't assigned to the meal train that day, but she was like, hey, I've got leftover curry. Do you want some? And I remember thinking, this was earlier in the day, and I was like, I was about to say no, because worthiness and all the other factors that come into play when someone offers me something and I still have to remind myself that it's okay to say yes. And I was about to say, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I'll actually be fine. We're having a good day. I'll be able to cook a meal for us tonight. Thank the heavens, I said yes, because our day ended up going to absolute chaos. And I got to 5pm that night and I was like, there is no way I would have cooked dinner today it just would not have happened. And so I was so grateful that I had accepted that offer of food because I can just imagine my mental state if, if I would have had to have made a meal that night. And so for me personally, that's the most enormous difference. And I encourage everyone to get help with food for at least the first month or so, because it really does make a huge difference. And I know a lot of my audience have recommended, and they do this for their friends, is lactation support as well especially for those women who are struggling with breastfeeding you might not get much support from wherever they gave birth or whoever their care provider was so that can be another really important thing. Hey mummers I hope you loved that episode I hope it gave you some good food for thought and some inspiration for ways in which you may help set yourself up for support after birth so Hopefully you're pregnant right now. And if you're not, if you're already postpartum, it is never too late. You need support at so many different phases in the postpartum period. So it's never too late to start asking for help, writing a list, writing out all the people in your community in the ways in which you feel they're available to support you. I think that's such a good exercise to take away from this. I always try in the podcast to give you tangible things that you can take with you to actually go and do something about the information that you just learned and I think that's a great way and it's really good to acknowledge that every person will be able to help you in a different way will have a different capacity and availability to you but also will have different strengths some people are great at helping look after your kids other people are terrible at that but are really good at cooking or cleaning or running errands or whatever it is that you feel you need for a great postpartum support I think it's really important to start with that list so I really hope this has been great food for thought for you. If you want to check out Rach, you can find her at the underscore Rachel underscore Rose. She has incredible Instagrams, very refreshing, very honest, and she has a whole heap of different podcasts and products that I think you're going to love. And come on over to at Physio Laura and let me know what you got out of this episode and maybe what steps you're going to take. To create your village after birth or if you are postpartum let me know what you did and what was most beneficial to you after birth what support you created that helped you the most for me it was definitely the meal train like 100% getting people to help me with food was huge postpartum support for me but I'd love to hear from you and if you want to connect with me further I have my online membership program The Pregnancy Posse this is for all pregnant women from the time you pee on a stick all the way up to when you give birth we have weekly pregnancy workouts tailored for the exact week of pregnancy you're in. We have a whole resources library on pelvic floor, diastasis recti, pelvic pain, how to prepare for birth mentally and physically. It's so much more. We have a community forum where you can ask all your questions and it's a really wonderful space to be supported during your pregnancy. So if you're interested in that, go and check out thepregnancyposse.com and you can sign up for seven days and try it. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We have one more episode in this series coming out next week, and that one's an important one. It's all about how to give less F's in life, business, and motherhood.